All right. Go ahead. You, you, you give us the intro. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. We're back on another random show on a random day on a random time, which I found out we're recording about five minutes ago. And that's what makes this show so great, Matt. We're uh, random. Yeah, I mean, the randomness of the show is not, even, not, not only on the intelligence level, the IQ level of the two hosts, but it's actually when we record. And uh, <laughs> right now, my kids fell asleep, so I was able to sneak one in. We're sneaking one in. Now, it'll this, be really fun if they wake up in the middle of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, this is uh, episode X, right? This is episode X, episode 10 of the 10. Matt and Brad Random Show. Wow. Double digits. How about that? Although they write it X, you have to say 10. I don't know. It's weird. But that is a milestone. 10 episodes. Yep. They say this is where you start falling out of love with it. So Uh, (laughs) so as long as we can push through to 20, we're good. Not the day after Valentine's Day. I know. What'd you do? Did you have a good Valentine's Day? Uh, It was decent. Yeah. I mean, uh, my wife had to work the night before, so she was kind of tired. And uh, we just hung out, did our thing in the house, stayed with the kids. My kids were super excited. You know, it's it's amazing that how excited a child gets over five dollar construction toys, <laughs> like a new dump truck and a new bulldozer, and he just oh, yeah. went nuts. Uh, and that's how we uh, served up that dish. Yeah, um, Valentine's changes as you get older and have a family. <laughs> like yeah, it's, you know, seems less at least with young a young family, right? Young kids, yeah. like it feels like it's. Less about, you know, you and your spouse, obviously, and more about the kids. And that's pretty much what our day was like, too. So um, we actually didn't do anything um, other than, you know, Valentine's with my son. You know, he got Mm -hmm. cards and candy and some books and toys and stuff. Um, But my wife had just got back from a work trip the day before. So neither one of us were really prepared since I was on solo duty for about, you know, five days and she was out of town, so we're like, you know what? Let's just uh, let's just reschedule for Saturday. <laughs> so tomorrow hey man, you, you were set, you were sending up the signal flares, looking for help. Uh, you were uh, you were asking me how do you how do you survive? <laughs> oh, man, every time it's not often that I have to watch my son by myself for you know multiple days, um, but mm-hmm. every time I do, I just like have this insane respect for. You know, Me? yeah, you, you know, <laughs> single parents, solo parents, parents where they're, you know, the, uh, the, the couples, their schedules are off. So they're kind of solo more often than not. Like that's, it's tough, man. Like, and it's not tough in the sense of all the stuff you have to do. Just, it's just like, like it's mentally is, is you really have to like, like just be as Zen as you can. You know what I mean? You can't mm-hmm. let all this stuff get to you. Cause it's, it, there's nobody else to help defuse anything. So there's really no, there, there's no benefit to getting into some kind of an argument or getting heated or whatever because it's you that ultimately has to fix it anyways, right? So, uh, yeah. it's just you know it's fun and I you know I love love my son and um, it's fun seeing him grow. But yeah, after you know four or five days of you know hundred percent daddy time, right? It gets it wears on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, I'm lucky enough that. Uh, that I can do what I do with Pagely on these days where my wife is, is working like she is today and I'm still able to work, um, just not schedule any calls unless they're really urgent calls that I have to talk to somebody and just, you know, tell them, you know, you might hear my kids screaming in the background if that's yeah. okay. Um, but generally I can get, you know, yeah. a, a, a workload done uh, through email and other stuff that we're doing. So, uh, but what really suffers on my end is the time because I create a lot of content. So we got this podcast, I've got the Matterport, the We Are Here podcast, I got two YouTube channels 
And it's like when I'm trying to carve out time to do that stuff, uh, that's where it really hits in, in terms of you know how much time I can I can be creative behind a mic or a or a camera. I mean, I mean I'm just I just have trouble scheduling time to do like normal household things like do the you know <laughs> yeah. clean the dishes or like mm-hmm. outside of nap time or after bedtime like you know forget it because I think you know toddlers and by nature are clingy you know so sure. You know, sure. I can't be in the other room, like trying to do dishes or something. And I can't, you know, it's just, so it's tough. Like just getting, keeping things in order um, at a very minimum is difficult. So Yeah. And then by the time they go to bed, you're just like, I'm done. Like, I yeah. don't, I should do dishes. I should do laundry, but I'm going to pour myself a stiff drink and watch the Netflix, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. And then you read all these, you know, see how the world's top performers wake up at 4 a.m. every day. Yeah, that ain't go happening. screw yourself. That ain't happening. Like, and it's funny because when my life, wife leaves, I'm very much into uh, scary movies, thrillers, uh, you know, all sorts of that stuff. She's not, right? So uh, anytime she leaves, I have this kind of queue of shows and movies that I'm excited to watch because she doesn't want to watch them. But it's weird because, you know, so there was like basically three or four nights in a row where I go from like being with my son toddler world you know playing watching silly cartoons and then when he goes to bed i'm watching like you know bird box and like the ted bundy documentary and bandersnatch and i watch venom and i'm watching all this like crazy stuff it's like just polar opposites it's kind of interesting in the mind and how that works but uh yeah i you know it's nice it's fun i enjoy it and uh caught up on some some shows and movies that i've been wanting to see so that is one benefit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Getting it all, getting all the important stuff done after hours. I like it. Have you seen Bird Box? I have not. It's good. I liked it. Um, I feel like you're either gonna like, love it, or hate it type of movie. But I like stuff like that. I like thrillers, um, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely a thriller. I won't give out any spoilers or anything like that because I hate it when people do that. But um, I felt like it was definitely worth a watch, and I really like the stuff that you know, stuff like that that Netflix is is pushing out. Um, really all-star cast too. Like I didn't even know John Malkovich was in it. Yeah, I did see that when, yeah. when I, and I saw the, some big uh, names the beyond just Sandra yeah. Bullock. So, um, definitely worth it. If you're under, it's a high, high intensity movie, right? Like it's one of those ones you're never like comfortable, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, I right. mean, you love shows like that, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, your heart rates up pretty much the whole movie. Um, so if you're into that type of thing, which I am, I, you know, I like the kind of experiences of that, of, you know, tension and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, give it a, give it a watch. It's, it's a good one. I liked it. Yeah. I still didn't catch up on your recommendation from the last time, uh, the last show, uh, to go watch the fire festival on Hulu. I still got to do that. Yeah. Um, I just been catching up on the Punisher on Netflix, really the Punisher. And, uh, again, still the, um, true detective on HBO. <laughs> you got to wrap that up, man. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's the live season. So it's the, they don't, the only the new oh, ones come out every Sunday. God. You know, that's funny. Cause like Netflix has this, like the way they have spoiled us. It's almost like yeah. my default thought is like when a show comes out, it's just out. Right. But yeah, obviously there are still shows that don't do that. And the majority don't do that, but um, yeah, so you can't, it, it is going to drag you out and make that a little bit worse. Yeah. I, I would say again, for anybody who's listening, who is following along and watching true detective, this last episode, which I believe was episode six was, I would say probably top, top, potentially top five, if not certainly top 10, any single like television episode of a show ever. 
right? Wow. Like, I mean, when you look at, I mean, good, huh? you know, <laughs> Breaking Bad, Lost, Sopranos, uh, you know, a- a- AMC Walking Dead, the early years, you know, all of that stuff. I, I would say that this this last episode was top five it's, in the history uh, of, of me watching television. <laughs> that's a pretty big endorsement. Um, I'm definitely intrigued. I, you know, I, to, to that kind of point of releasing all at once, like, you know, I'm so stuck on that now. Like, I generally won't yeah. dive into a show until it's the season's over just mm-hmm. for that very reason because I, I, I hate the I hate the build up. I hate the cliffhangers. Like, I mean, I love them, but I hate them. Like, I, I don't like waiting a week. Um, so I, it's definitely on the top of my list. As soon as it wraps up, I want to check it out. The only yeah. the only show I watch live is really Game of Thrones because for whatever reason, Game of Thrones is one that like the whole spo- idea of not sharing spoilers for everyone just spoils that show. The, literally the next day, you can't avoid spoilers for whatever reason. It's like out the window with Game of Thrones, so you have to sure. watch it live. Sure, you know. And I think that I think that's one of the reasons why I um, really enjoy watching a live show like this. I say live, but. Uh, a weekly show because it allows me to um, it allows me to have conversations about it right so and, and have anticipation to the next episode so I, I still think that there's value in that and I think a lot of networks especially HBO when they make these great pieces of content um, you know that uh, that you're, you're having that conversation with other people like there's a couple of people at Pagely that that they love True Detective and we talk about it you know it's like did you see that last episode like what do you think is going to happen next kind of thing and that's kind of fun. Yeah, we have a few channels like that. And I think for Game of Thrones specifically, we have one that um, the rules are if you're in the channel, you're, you're watching it live, right? Yeah. Like, there's spoilers. So you don't go in that channel unless you're actually watching it live because everybody wants to talk about it the next day. So, yeah, there is, there is something to be said for kind of traditional um, – you know traditional shows like that, um, but you know I'm, I'm I'm of the spoiled generation. Or at least I'd like to think I am. Yeah, just like our kids, I want it now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why can't I watch it now? So hey, on the last episode, we said that we would two topics, two hosts. What was the other one? <laughs> too many opinions. <laughs> too many opinions. <laughs> uh, you said you did a bunch of research on for what we were supposed to record yesterday, and and I, like the true student that I am, did absolutely nothing. Um, I feel like I feel like you knew that I had researched <laughs> topics for a random show, so you're like, "Nah, we're not recording. Yeah. We're out." Um, um, but I found a couple. Cool. I found a couple interesting topics um, that caught my eye. I have a couple um, topics I can talk about too that were interesting to me this week. The first one, which is kind of big news the other day, is about the uh, I guess what we're going to talk about space. <laughs> In other planets, <laughs> but oh, the uh, cue the sound the effects Mars, for the space. <laughs> the Mars Opportunity rover mm. is officially dead, uh, which is kind of kind of weird to hear because it's been going for so long fourteen years. Wow, really? Over over fourteen years, that thing was uh, shuffling around on Mars, and given the fact it was built to, for a ninety day mission, that's obscene. Yeah, <laughs> that that's crazy. Survive that long, uh, but unfortunately. Uh, there was actually it actually went offline last year. Um, snow, uh, a, not snow, a storm. Uh, you know, Mars has some pretty intensive storms, and a storm, a dust storm, came through and choked out the sunlight. You know, covered the solar panels with dust, um, and they've been trying to get in contact with it since then. I think it was back in June mm-hmm. of last year, and they officially um, have called it dead. But and the, but there's the actual, there's two rovers, isn't there? 
there was well two of the originals so the opportunity was the second yep um and uh was it spirit i believe was the first um or i'm getting the third yeah the twin spirit and spirit actually uh was over in 2010 Hmm. so about eight years ago um i think it got stuck in a canyon or something (laughs) went offline Uh, (laughs) it's just it's but just it's hilarious to just even like say that yeah, it just got yeah, stuck. Yeah, it's like stuck in a can. And literally, if like a person was there, they could probably fix this thing very quickly. But we're not there. Right. And it's very far away. But, I mean, one of the saddest things about this story is, I mean, all the stuff they learned is amazing. There's an awesome interactive map on New York Times, which I tweeted out the other day. You can follow the whole trek. Like, the thing traveled, like, you know, a bunch of miles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, way, way longer than anyone expected it to. But... Um, the sad part is the last message they received from Opportunity back last year was, my battery is low and it's getting dark. Huh. And that was the last thing it ever said to us, which is uh, sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and we've talked a little bit on this show about, um, which is a fa- something that I'm fascinated by, which is like robots and how humans, you know, whether they um, are, you know, sympathetic towards robots or, sh- you know, uh, sh- you know, see robots with emotion and feeling. Um, and just kind of hearing that, even though we know it's a, a programmable message that's coming back is, is sad, right? Like it, it just said my battery's low and it's getting dark. And that's the last thing we ever heard from it. Yeah. So pretty sad, but the amount of, uh, you know, data and pictures and just how much more we know about Mars, um, you know, from these two rovers, uh, it's pretty crazy. We actually have a third rover up there that we we uh, we landed a few years ago. So um, there's still a third one going. And guess what? We're getting ready to send another one next year, 2020. There we go. So it's um, not that far off. It's not that far off. And uh, you know, I fully expect that someday we'll we'll pick up these rovers, um, and they will end up in a museum because of how important they were to kind of space exploration and and science and all the data that we we're able to find. And and you know, so. Pretty cool to read up on it and all the things that it accomplished. There's a lot of information out there. But it survived uh, 5,111 days, Martian days, <laughs> which is slightly longer than a uh, Earth day uh, on Mars. So hats off to you. Robot. Opportunity. Robot. Rover. <laughs> Speaking of hats off to things that don't really have a soul... <laughs> One of the websites... <laughs> That's quite a segue. <laughs> Where are you going with this? One of the websites or, or headlines I saw come through in the last 24 hours, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see the website, thispersondoesnotexist.com? I, I, I literally just saw that this morning, um, and I wanted to do a little more research on it because it didn't have any information about right. what's doing it, and I, I haven't yet. But Right, and, and I haven't... Tell me more about it, please, I, I it's very fascinating. Yeah. I haven't done it either. I haven't done too much of deep research either, but from uh, Motherboard's website, motherboard.vice.com, this website uses an implementation of machine learning known as Generative Adversarial Networks, or GANS, 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 GIFs, GIFs. These programs learn from a large number of training inputs, say real human faces, in order to produce new examples. This person does not exist.com uses code previously released by NVIDIA researchers on GitHub, and there's a link to that. So if you go to this person does not exist.com and refresh the page, it is eerie if this is truly creating unique faces. Yeah, that's faces. the thing. They look, they look 
like just normal pictures. So, yeah, like how do we how do we truly know they are randomly generated? Like they look they look real. They don't look fake at all. Right. And I mean, there's you know if, when you look closely, you see that there's some stuff like you know that are sort of affected or artifacts in the image that sort of uh, you can tell it's almost trying to draw it out. So, and like the teeth aren't always very clear or. Uh, precise or whatever, but the eyes, the facial expressions, the hair, uh, the cheekbones, it is crazy. If this is really, I don't know if, if it's just mashing up photos from these networks that they talk about. Where do these photos come from? Is this like open data that we're just allowing to be scooped up of ourselves from Instagram and Facebook? And like, this is this is a byproduct of us posting all this stuff. It's that 10-year challenge, man. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we talked about that last time um, or one of the last is, episodes ago. But this is this is pretty nuts um, yeah, it is. and fascinating. I mean, it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. It kind of goes back to the deep fake videos we were talking about, right? Like this is just another extension of 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 the idea that, you know, anything in the very near, near future, anything will be able to be faked where it will be almost impossible to tell if it is fake or not. Sure. You think we have a problem now, <laughs> like – when there's videos that you can't tell if they're real or not, when there's you know pictures of people um, with online profiles that you have no idea mm-hmm. if they're you know artificially you know AI generated you know photos and social profiles, like imagine when they get the bots smart enough where they're not just all copying the same tweets and pushing them out, but they actually have their own personalities, you know, and know how to interact with people and say, well that that person's obviously real. They're having a conversation with people, you know, like you won't even be able to trust that, right? And like I just you know I'm just refreshed now. It's a it's a picture of a you know a little boy. You know, it's like, where do, you, where do we draw the line with this stuff? And, and the crazy thing is, it's not just the faces, but um, as I refresh here, I mean, there's hats, there's clothing, right? So it's like, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it, you know, the, the, the blurred background effect makes it look like it's a real photo. Um, it's intense. Glasses, this guy has glasses on, so it's actually drawing up glasses and, and objects like that. It's, it's pretty nuts. It is nuts. And, uh, you know, staying on the topic of computer-generated people, mm-hmm. um, you like that? You like where I'm going here? So there are some new emojis coming Ooh. out. Are you an emoji guy? Do you like emojis? Uh, you know, I, the, the marketer in me wants to use them more, but I, I'm just too lazy to go in through and, like, make all these damn emojis when I post stuff. I, you know, I've got, I've definitely gotten more into it in, in you know, in the last year or so um, with using emojis to – you know, to, to, I don't know, to, to get my point across more, I guess, sure. but I think uh, gifts are actually a better way of doing that in some, in some aspects, but, um, it's interesting. The idea of emojis and how, you know, uh, the, you know, we're kind of coming full circle back to, you know, ancient, you know, uh, what are the hieroglyphs or whatever, um, you know, yeah. we're, we're all just talking in symbols is pretty fascinating, but, um, so basically the Unicode, Unicode consortium, um, has approved 59 new emojis. Okay. Uh, but what's interesting about this is there's a, there's a number of variants. So with all the different variants, it, it ends up being about 230 different options. And, and they're really emphasizing uh, inclusivity with this. So um, you can create emojis with holding hands, but you can also reflect kind of like skin color, or gender identity of those individuals. So you can really tailor it to the message you're trying to get across with a single emoji by, by custom tailoring it to that level, right? Um, and there's also a lot around with the idea of inclusivity, um, things like, you know, uh, an emoji with a hearing aid or a prosthetic limb or sign language or a cane or a wheelchair, um, which I think are pretty interesting. So just the, just the whole process of how emojis kind of get approved through this Unicode consortium is also kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the fact that it is a, essentially an adopted standard by all the the major phone makers and and uh, uh, software makers, operating systems, all that stuff. It's a uh, which is the point of Unicode. So um, apparently they'll be uh, uh, they've been approved um, and they'll be coming out uh, more than likely uh, across the various platforms later this year. Um, you know, every every platform has a slightly different variation of how their emojis work. So now they work through kind of making those emojis, but. Pretty neat to see that list continue to grow. Indeed, indeed. I have another topic. Has nothing to do with this. No, mm. it's more about business. And uh, my good friend, I don't know if you ever met him, Brian Castle. You ever talked to him? Uh, I don't think so. Bootstrap, Bootstrap Web used to run a, um, well, used to have an agency, a WordPress agency, uh, way, way, way back in the day. Uh, created a, a an app called Restaurant Engine, which was built on like WordPress multi-site, sold that. He's very much in the SaaS space. He's got a pretty popular podcast called Bootstrap Web. And he recently created, uh, so he's a non-technical co-founder, right? He's one of those guys that started his business. He's not really developer-centric, much more design-oriented. Um, mm-hmm. Recently created an app called Sunrise KPI. But it's what's interesting to me is uh, he's been one of those, those guys who's sort of really followed a lot of shiny objects right and he's created a lot and i've he's sort of led the charge on productized service um he has like a whole course around that stuff um and what he has done recently was learn how to code more specifically he's learned how to code with uh ruby on rails and create his first app and sunrise kpi was that app or is that app um and it's just like an aggregate of your you know analytics whatever it might be google analytics mailchimp whatever the ones he supports uh, that can be fed into this and just create a basic little dashboard of these stats. Um, so what's interesting to me is one, he sort of taught himself to code within the last 90 ish days, um, code in, in Ruby on rails, build this app. Um, and he talks about it more openly on his podcast. It's, it's, it's making him now maybe, you know, less than a hundred bucks a month with the subscribers that he has. Um, but he's tabling it and he's, he's saying, you know what, I, I have to, uh, I've learned a lot from this app. Maybe I'll revisit it in a year um, or maybe sell it eventually if if there's enough interest in it. Um, but he's going to turn back to his core business, uh, which is audience ops, uh, and uh, his other business, which is uh, an app for sort of like content planning and process planning, that kind of thing. Uh, but I just found it, I mean, interesting for somebody to sort of learn Ruby on Rails, made me think like, you know, maybe I... I could do good if I learned a little bit of, you know, something else, you know, uh, other than, you know, WordPress and PHP and JavaScript. Can I, could I just have fun doing these, you know, crazy little things that he makes? Um, um, and it's a little bit of that. And it's a little bit of that whole like shiny object thing with entrepreneurs, right? It's like you build, he has a, he has a business that runs, it's making him money. It's his living, but he barely touches it. And he has time to go and build, you know, this little app. He's got a bigger app that he already built, and that one's kind of just sitting there. So it's like he has core business and then shiny object and then, like, this side hustle thing. And it's like, how do we focus in on, like, what's working? Um, I'd love to have him on my show to get him to to sort of talk about that stuff. But uh, just interesting journey to see all of this stuff play out and how fast he was able to build something as a non-technical person. I mean, it's a, it looks like a pretty cool service, yeah. you know, to be honest. Like, I definitely can can understand the goal here, you know, trying to get your key metrics in a in one spot sure. that are the most important to you. And everybody's metrics are slightly different, right? Um, if you sell product, then obviously product revenue is 
a key metric, sure. but you know, email subscribers are also a very important metric, uh, certainly in the product space as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I look at this and I, I think about kind of my, my past as well, where I used to kind of build various, you know, websites and apps on the side for fun. Right. And I think a lot of this is, is the nature of, you know, people like Brian, yeah. you know, like you, like myself, like we're, we're always interested in learning more. Um, we're fascinated by technology. Um, and if you're into the dev or design or whatever it is, like you're always kind of looking at newer things coming down, like, man, that looks like a lot of fun. Maybe I should play around with that someday. Maybe I should tinker with that with no real serious, you know, thought of, Oh, I'm going to, you know, launch a startup on the side with this stuff. Yeah. And maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but you just start tinkering. And next thing you know, you're like, Oh, this might actually be kind of a cool thing to put out there, yeah. you know? Um, and then it grows into something a little bigger, a little bigger. And then you have to make the decision you talked about earlier with time commitments around passion projects. Right. Then you have to start, is this worth the time I'm putting into it? Is this, am I taking it further than I, than where it is now or whatever? Like, I don't know what it takes to, to upkeep this, but when you're working with APIs and stuff, you know, they change. Yeah. Um, so there is definitely some upkeep upkeep here. So, yeah, I'm um, interested to see, how, I'm interested to see how he handles that. Cause he's going to leave the free version open. Um, and again, you can learn more if you tune into his last few podcasts on, on bootstrap web, uh, with Jordan gal, who has another great business cart hook. Um, they, you know, to, to hear him say that, you know, he went on his, he also does conferences. Like he does a lot of stuff. Um, he does big snow, tiny conf, which is like a ski and snowboard retreat for business owners. Um, and he just, he just went on the most recent one. And he said that, uh, you know, after talking to folks, he was like, you know what, I'm just going to let sunrise sort of just sit there. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm going to turn my attention back to my core business. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing that, like like you were just saying, it's just interesting to see how fast he was able to build something like this with Ruby on Rails. And it, it sort of makes me jealous of, like, why can't we just build things this fast with WordPress? I mean, I, I guess you can, but if you're an experienced developer, but it just looks like such a, a fun code base to know uh, Ruby on Rails. You know, I built Instagram before Instagram. <laughs> so I'll have you know that we had a, a service and I even had a little app. Uh -huh. um, and this was like basically the year the iPhone came out. Mm -hmm. So there was not an easy way to do, you know, prior to the iPhone, like you could, you, it wasn't really an easy process to build an app for a phone. Right. I mean, it was doable, but it wasn't easy. There wasn't like a standardized API. It was per carrier type stuff, but we basically hacked a, do you remember the Treos, mm -hmm. the Palm sure Treos? Do. I used to sell stuff at Circuit City. So yeah. 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 The Palm Trails, which were hugely yeah. popular at the time before iPhone, you know, that was like kind of the phone to have, right? Um, and we built a way where I could send a picture to the Treo, um, and it would via MMS and it would download that picture and upload it to my profile on the website. And we actually got this thing to work, right? So I could literally text the phone pictures and it would post to my profile based on my <laughs> phone number. Um, and we set up a site and had profiles and had people signing up and, uh, it just was a little early. It was just a fun thing to do on the side. It wasn't really a serious, like. This is going to make me a billion dollars um, because it was just something I was tinkering with, you know, with a friend. And looking back, I'm like, well, that sucks because <laughs> it was basically like it was like the, the it was Instagram before before that was a thing. So and I'm sure there was a lot of Instagrams before Instagram. Right. Like there's a lot of luck that goes into this stuff, too. But it just kind of shows like you might have a good idea just by tinkering or playing with the new technology or throwing a service together and be like, you know what? There could be something here. So. 
keep keep tinkering, keep building these apps because they're fun, and you never know something might take off unexpectedly. <laughs> Speaking of dreams that died, I built Dropbox before <laughs> Dropbox existed. A uh, friend of I, fr- friend of mine at the time, uh, we started this business. We got some seed funding uh, actually, um, oh, wow. and what we would do is we would get uh, PCs that were like like half the size of a shoebox, right? And we would bring them on premise to a, to a business. And what I would, I, I can't remember the name of the software that I used, but there was like an open source file manager where you could have like, you know, basic user permissions. And it was meant to just share files on the web. And what we would do is we would bring these boxes onto business locations. They could use them locally as Windows file servers. And then every night or every hour, whatever the cron job was, it would sync those files up to the web, which had that file manager interface. And at the time, which I can't remember how many years ago this was, um, people were like, oh, this, we we had like a whole bunch of accountants that were using it. We had some insurance companies that were using it. And they were like, this is amazing. Like I can save my files at work and go home and access them and then resync them back to my file server. People loved it. Um, and then as it goes, you know, the guy who was seed funding us, my partner at the time was dating his daughter and then they broke up and that was, <laughs> that was the end. That was the end of Classic that Classic startup story. Yeah. He went on to build a company that he actually sold yeah. to Google and then got out of that and sold another company to HubSpot. So screw him. Well, at least you got your YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's funny because a lot of us in tech have, you know, similar stories yeah. like that and uh, just, just tinkering around playing. I mean, it sounds like you really had something started there, though. You got a little bit of funding. You had actual yeah. people that were kind of buying into it. Um, I literally you know, just threw didn't... out all of those computers that I had uh, like two, <laughs> two months ago. Um, got a dumpster and like threw out a bunch of stuff in my house and I had six of them left. Man. I don't even know what kind of process there was probably like could have been could have been Dropbox. Yeah, could have been Dropbox. But it was probably a little early, you know, like the idea of cloud, the term cloud yeah. I'm sure didn't even exist back then. Like that idea, like it was a much ed- as much an educational thing as it was sure. you know, a good app because people didn't know what that meant back yeah. then. Yeah. And n- nobody was talking about it. There wasn't even a term really for it. So Yeah, the and the funny thing is like the biggest one of the biggest lessons that I learned well it was that and the the lessons, you know, stood me right in the face when uh the, the, the guy who was giving us the money, his first name was Mark. And uh, I remember we met with him the first time and, and my partner's name was also Matt. So I sat there and Matt was like, hey, Matt, tell Mark what we're going to like pitch him the idea. So I pitched him the idea and this is when we were going to ask for money. He gave us like 15 grand and um, he was like, look, I don't really care about this idea. I don't care about the product. He's like, what you guys have to worry about is if you're going to be able to work together and, and build this company together, right? Mm-hmm. And we were looked at each other and we were like, yeah, of course. Like this, is, like, this is, of course, this is what we're gonna do. Like, and that was, and then once we got into the weeds and as you know, having partners and, and myself having partners in the past, it's just like, everything's great in the beginning and then the business starts rolling and then like decisions have to be made and like one person yep. wants to do one thing, the other wants to go the other and that's where the rubber yeah. meets the road and he was dead on and I remember looking at him like, you're crazy. Of course we're going to get this. We're going to, you know, we're going to be millionaires. Like that's what we want to do. Uh, and exactly what he warned us about happened. So pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, it gets complicated, right? Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of cool platforms, interesting platforms, I should say, we talked about, uh, Mr. Jeff Bezos a little bit on the oh, last show. Did. 
We did. Um, and I found a, uh, I was reading a cool article about kind of that situation, but it wasn't necessarily about his message and that whole circus. Uh, it was about the fact that he released that post on medium, um, which is an interesting question, right? Like why did he decide to put that post on medium? Like it brought a lot of exposure to medium. Um, and I actually found out via this article that they didn't know it was coming. They had no idea that he was going to, that he had an account set up and that he was going to obviously write something that was that, you know, kind of uh, big of a story um, on their platform as the first post he's ever done on that platform. Um, and I'm thinking about, obviously we're kind of in the WordPress world. I'm thinking like, yeah, that was like huge, huge, like press for medium just by being the platform that he used. Like imagine if that had been WordPress or whatever other platform out there it would have been big, you know, big for them as well. Um, one of the things they mentioned was the reason a lot of, uh, apparently people like medium kind of at a, you know, more executives and even celebrities and journalists at this point are really starting to kind of use medium a little bit more is because it's basically a non-branded platform. You know, they're not pushing it out through, you know, the Washington post or the New York times or CNN or some other platform that's going to have some kind of a potential bias attached to it. Right. It's, it's not, it's branded in the sense of it's a medium, you know, site, but not brand the sense of, you know, some type of, uh, uh, newspaper or media company, um, which I thought was pretty interesting, but it kind of, you know, it brought up a couple questions. One, um, I started thinking about medium doing more research and this is a bit of a, maybe a rabbit hole I'm digging into, but the idea of medium and just the business model around that versus what we're seeing on pretty much every other site, <laughs> which is ads, mm -hmm. um, medium being, it's more of a paid, it's more of a paid content, right? Some content's free, some of it's not. And if it's not free, you get a, you know, you get to read a couple articles, uh, a day or a month or something, and then it blocks you, which we do see on, on a lot of, uh. Uh, newspaper sites and stuff these days, media sites, but medium is really pushing this. Like, is that the future of content publishing? These kind of non-branded platforms that have paywalls versus the traditional kind of non-branded platform or even branded platform that is highly, uh, you know, pushing revenue via ads um, and sponsored content. And I, I had a feeling you would have some thoughts on this. So I wanted to bring it up. I know recently, um, Medium announced that they also just randomly shut off their API access too. Um, yes, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Which is, you know, to me is 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 annoying. Um, yeah, I can only draw the parallels between with to WordPress, and and this is where I I, I feel like if there was a solution, a medium solution at WordPress.com, I would be all about that. And in fact, I'd be all about that if it was ad supported. Um, so long as the ideals of WordPress and open source carried over to a dot-com model. So can I export my content? You know, is my, is my content going to be monetized in other areas? Like give me clarity around publishing my content on the dot-com platform. So I know where it's going to go, right? If I upload a picture, is it going to go to, you know, this person does not exist.com and then some random AI is going to turn a face <laughs> out of the stuff that I'm putting up there. Um, and this is where, this is what frustrates me with, with WordPress and dot-com. Um, and it frustrates me when I see medium, you know, shut off uh, API access, because how can we have an open web if, if we can't tap into other pieces of data that we've published from around around the web, right? Um, and, and I think this is something that 
Mullenweg has to kind of battle with his whole blocks concept because I think he's really stuck a, f- a feather in the cap of, well, blocks can integrate data from other sources. And in fact, this is an idea I had with Conductor and still do, where's, where it can be the means to pull in data from an Instagram, from a Facebook, from a Medium, or whatever else you're putting out data and to display that onto your WordPress site. I feel Matt is going that same direction with Gutenberg and what he wants to achieve. But how are we going to keep up with these big platforms if they just say no? <laughs> you know, what do, I mean, what can you do? Um, and, and, and I've actually seen in the past as well a lot of journalists um, sort of boycott medium because of that, you know, same thing where it's just like, well, I'm not gonna let you monetize my words up on this platform. So I don't use it. I wish there was an alternative on wordpress.com. I'd be all about it if there was. Well, it gives, it gives, you know, and I'm not a medium expert, but from the little bit of research I've done and, you know, seeing other people use it, it may not make sense for, if I guess if your goal um, is to go to Medium and write content and make a lot of money, that's not going to make sense for people that have a big name sure. in writing whatever content they're writing, right? Like you know, really well-known journalists um, of that nature. Like that's it would make more sense for them, I would think, to publish with a you know a major you know company like New York Times or something where they're going to actually get paid <laughs> through the New York Times, not based on how many people you know like your post. Um, or whatever, but you know, I could be wrong on that, but I think it does give a voice for people that don't have that audience. Like just the random Joe Schmo, like myself, if I want to go on there and start writing content and it was actually decent content, then maybe that's a way that I can make a little bit of money versus just doing it on my blog and throwing a couple, you know, AdSense, you know, ads up there or whatever. Um, I found myself like I subscribed to the New York times, uh, recently and I really like it. Like, you know, it's, it's not that expensive. Um, and I'm essentially paying for you know, premium content at the end of the day. That's what I'm paying for, right? Like premium professionally, you know, written content. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I kind of was in the boat that, or in the, the mindset I think a lot of the internet is, which is everything should be free. And, you know, ads are fine because if it's free, um, you got to make money, whatever. I can block those ads. That's kind of what people's mindset is. But at the end of the day, like people have to make money. Sure. So if you want this, you know, really stellar content, this really good content, then, you have to figure out a way to support it yeah. somehow, whether it's viewing the ads and not blocking them, maybe clicking on some, maybe it's supporting some, you know, buying some stuff to support the, you know, the website or if it's, uh, you know, paying for the platform because you really enjoy the, the, the quality of content that they're producing. Like, I do think this is probably the direction that we're going to see more and more sites going for. Cause I just think the ads are kind of the old web. At this point. Yeah. And it's the, I think it's like that controlled, I don't know if ads are a problem. It's, I think the, the quote unquote old way of doing it, right. Where the pub, the person who's creating the content doesn't have control over the ads and who's, you know, who's going to advertise on my content. Um, You know, one of the examples is there's a a YouTube channel uh, called hot ones. Um, it's hosted by this guy, Sean Evans. It's where celebrities come on and they eat hot, spicy wings that go up from, you know, a thousand scovels yeah, all the way. I love yeah, that. You, you've seen this. I just saw the, the Gordon Ramsay one the right. other day. And the right. Gordon Ram- awesome. Yeah, the Gordon Ramsay one blew up. It's the most views that this channel's ever had. They're up to, <laughs> so yeah, they're up to 5 million subscribers now, but they just had, uh, Ken Jong on, which is the, uh, the, uh, Asian actor from, um, uh, uh, what's the bat, uh, the bachelor party movie? 
um, with Zach Galifianakis. Oh, the hangover, hangover. Uh, from that from that show, and it's yeah. number one. So this is when it first came out. It was number one on YouTube recommended, but it was also demonetized by YouTube, right? So they, so they weren't getting any ad revenue. Yeah, and it's just like, how the hell does this happen? Right? Like who's yeah. pulling the strings here? And this is where the problem is. I don't think the problem is ads. I think it's just who's ever controlling this, the ad networks and pulling the strings. How can you be number well, one? How can your platform recommend you number one, but you're also pulling the ads from these guys? It's, it's just like saying like, we're about to push a whole ton of traffic to you, but we don't want to give you any revenue at the same time. It's like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, that that makes no sense. And I think in that instance, like a lot of these celebrities, even networks, whatever, they're they're going to take some of that back in their own hands, I would think, rather than publishing things on YouTube. Yeah. Um, they might publish it on their own site instead or some other service, you know, that wants to rival YouTube, maybe a Vimeo or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, it's, I don't know. Medium is interesting because it's basically like a marketplace of content, right? Because if you're subscribing to it, it's not like a single publication like New York Times. It is like a community of, you know, writers that write about all sorts of stuff. And I know the New York times writes about all sorts of stuff, but you know what I mean? It's not these kind of professional journalists necessarily. There are plenty of them on there, but, um, it, it feels like a mix of that with kind of your traditional bloggers, um, you know, that you're would essentially be paying for. Like I don't pay for medium. I've clicked around. I was kind of looking to see like what the value is. And I've, I, I've never hit enough of a paywall on medium to ever feel like I need to be a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, my only real concern here is as more and more sites start kind of going to this model, which I think they will, or at least have an option to do this, maybe in conjunction with ads, um, is it turns into where like the streaming service debate now where, yeah, everybody loves cutting the cable. I cut the cable years ago. It's awesome. But one of the concerns is that now every single channel, um, is doing its own kind of subscription service. And if you just start kind of a la carte and all that, you end up paying more than you would have with cable. So it doesn't make any sense, you yeah. know? So if we have to start paying these subscription services across 50 different websites, it's not going to make and, sense. And, and, you know? and I've been, I've been saying that for, for years when people started saying like, Oh yeah, we're going to cut the cable and I'm going to get Hulu. I'm going to get Netflix and then Google TV. I'm going to subscribe to all these things. It's like, you're paying more money. And like the, the cable you have to be com- smart about it because it's very easy to pay yeah, more money. And the but- cable company isn't stupid, obviously. They're just going to raise the price of internet. So you're not technically cutting the cable. You're, you're cutting the cord. You're still, you need yeah. that freaking cord so you can subscribe to all these these services. And it's it's still shaking out. Like I saw, have you heard about the DC Universe streaming service that's coming mm-hmm. out? Like literally, it might be out now. It's like today or tomorrow or something. But they're launching with this uh, uh, Doom Squad uh you know, show they made specifically for the streaming network and the whole streaming network is around the DC comic, you know, universe. Um, you know, your Batman, your Superman. So not only are they going to have like unique shows, but they're also going to have like online collections of comic books that you can read, but it's, it's seven ninety nine a month. And I'm like, that feels very high for what DC is going to be releasing. You're only a couple dollars shy of Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and how, like how much actual, you know, unique content are you going to be publishing to, to, to justify a price that's literally a couple of dollars less than Netflix or Hulu, which both have a ton of content yeah. and like good content, you know? So I feel like there's got to be a bit of a bubble burst here at some oh, point, definitely. like, cause everyone's kind of coming in for this cash grab. Disney's coming in at the end of the year and that's going to be almost a must have yep. because of how much they have. Right. Um, especially when I they pull a lot it from, of these, especially when they pull all the Marvel stuff from Netflix. I don't even know if they're going to do that, but I assume they would be. They are. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's already started. So a lot of the Marvel stuff is falling off. Um, you know, they're canceling some of the shows, and they've even announced the the uh, Captain Marvel 
the new movie coming out will be the first one that comes out specifically on their streaming service first. So um, rather than Netflix, which is what the current deal does. So it's like it's already in motion. You know, it's just a matter of those licenses expiring. But, yeah, I, I think there will be a bit of a bubble burst. And some of the things that are trying to get too much for what they're doing are going to fall by the wayside. But, you know, it's just it's 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 the direction we're headed. Um, it's just kind of shaking out to figure out where is the value and what are people willing to do. And specifically around this content, same thing. So, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. The more I read about it, the more I just start thinking about it. Like, yeah, this is actually how I'm starting to get my news. I'm actually paying for it now. And I never thought I would be that person sure. either. But here we are. Here we are, man. Freaking paywalls and paying for content and AI-driven faces. Rover's getting stuck on Mars, and I didn't tell anybody that you can go to iTunes, Anchor FM, Spotify to subscribe to this channel. Uh, if you Google around a little conference called Pressnomics, you might want to jump on the old email list for that. Just saying, yeah, if you're still listening to yeah. this episode. You got any breaking news to tell us there? No breaking news, but you you keep an eye on that hashtag, that Twitter handle, (laughs) that website. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, we better wrap it up. This is another episode of The Random Show. Matt, where can people find you online? Assuming it is actually you and not some weird bot. At Matt Medeiros on Twitter. At Matt Medeiros. And I'm at Williams BA for another episode of The Brad and Matt Rando Show. Uh, We're actually going to be out next week. I'll be at Disneyland on vacation, so we'll see you in the near future. Peace. Hopefully. Later.